This episode, an early drag superstar and a performance mode you may not have thought of. This is it. This is the real thing. You've heard about it on the radio and seen it in the papers. Ten big acts for the price of one ticket. Behind this curtain, you'll see the Fiji mermaid, the giant red bat, the six-foot man-eating chicken. They're all real, and they're all on the inside. You'll see the Ethiopian glacier. folks what are you waiting for admission is free to Ballycast, the podcast of the carnival sideshow and variety arts you're just in time we're gonna have a free show we're gonna bring out the strange people the weird people here they come now watch the doorway you'll see what they do you'll hear what they talk about they're all alive on the inside get your ticket and come in Ballycast presents news and interviews with performers and showmen some important words of warning this podcast is not family friendly i'm not even thinking about it so listen at your own risk the performances and stunts described are not safe even for experienced performers never attempt them without the direct supervision of someone who already performs them please use your common sense and if you don't have any stop listening now here's your host wayne kaiser Welcome to Ballycast, episode 161, brought to you free by Blue Ridge Entertainment. For showmen, performers, and fans of the sideshow, carnival, and variety arts. The feature segments of today's show, Julian Elting, drag superstar. Well, here I am back in Hollywood making my first talking picture. Plus, immersive theater. What is it? And what can be done this way that you can't do by sitting people down in a standard theater? Also, news, a favorite carnival food recipe, and much more. Trying to bring clarity to the business since 2007. It's taking longer than I thought. It's Ballycast. Here we go. Keep your hands and arms inside the car and remain seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. In the news, who's dead this month? My youth, again. Wonder Woman is heavily into bondage, Captain America has come out as gay, and Superman is now officially bisexual. Lois, how about a little superhero threesome, you, me, and Jimmy? Oh, and uh, Jessica Rabbit is officially too damn hot for Disney to show families. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But the circus is coming, back, sort of. Feld Entertainment is casting for a new version of The Greatest Show on Earth as it plans to relaunch Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus in 2023, entirely animal-free. The circus closed in 2017 after animal rights activists protested the treatment of performing elephants and other animals, a controversy filled with misrepresentations and outright lies. Fuck you, PETA. Let's all get together with this one thought in mind. Make this world a better, brighter place. Sally's blue nose and bloom chaser you ever find. Hey there, wipe that frown right off your face. 
away Watch Lady Luck pay you a call Things are never black as they are paid Time for you and joy to get a play Simply Circus in the striped red and white bottle, the spray cleaner that helps the busy housewife clean up after elephants leaving the fresh scent of cotton candy. Guaranteed to make short work of elephant droppings, monkey feces, freak slobber, and it absolutely eradicates the vomit found under even the most violent midway rides. Simply Circus, available now on your favorite midway. People in general are especially dismaying these days, right? Nah, they've always been dumb as dirt. When I was performing for group events like picnics, I had to put up a sign, an actual sign I could point to with a big headline, Balloon Rules. And these rules all come under the categories Common Sense and Common Courtesy. But that's a little too much to expect. One, do not give to toddlers who may put them in their mouth. It's dangerous. Two, you must be here to get one, not give me a balloon for my granddaughter in Cleveland. Three, one balloon per person. You can have another after everyone has been served once. Four, I decide who's next. Smiling people right away, pretty girls as soon as possible, annoying people later, maybe never. Five, when it's time for me to stop, I have to stop. Yes, really, I'm sorry if you came too late. I'll take you first next year. Five ideas, none of them very hard. Ah, then or now, to heck with people anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, ever since first introducing the so-called naughty nudie movies in this theater... The management has had literally hundreds of requests for actual photographs, many of the models and the girls that you see on our screen. However, what people really mean is they would like to have pictures that are even more daring and more revealing than anything we could possibly show you in the movies. For that reason, we've been unable to meet the demand until now. And right now, it's a pleasure to announce that for the first time, we have received for you a complete set of the most exotic and beguiling photographs of the sexiest women in the world. These photographs are in the nude. They are in the complete nude. They are in the absolute nude. They leave nothing whatsoever to the imagination. And we ask you to remember, when you get your set of these sensationally daring photographs, we didn't sell them to you. We gave them to you. Now, the way we're passing these doubly daring photographs out 
is in itself nothing short of a sensation, and also it's the greatest bargain offer ever made to a theater audience. We have also obtained for you the most daring, the most sensational, the most revealing, exotic, erotic book ever to roll from a printer's press. I cannot tell you the title of this book. Suffice me to say that when you get it, first off, you'll find that it contains, among other things, of course, over 150 photographs. These photographs are striptease stars, Tahitian girls, nudists, and French and American models. And while some of the photographs depict the girls in various stages of undress, over half of the pictures are in the complete nude. But the book is not just a picture book. It also contains a full complement of stories best described as bedroom and boudoir stories. These stories are very intimate, they're very detailed, they're very much to the point, and of course they are uncensored. Since this is a mixed audience, I can't go into any further detail about this sensational book except to say this. If you bought it in a London bookstore and you paid two or three dollars for it, you would be getting a bargain. But we're not going to ask you to pay two or three dollars. We are going to ask you to pay, if you please, perhaps a few pennies more than these sensational volumes actually cost us. That will be one dollar. But when you spend that dollar, get your copy of this red-hot book, then we're going to make you a present and a gift of the entire set of photographs, the most captivating girls in the world, absolutely free. Now, if you want them, this is your only opportunity to get them. If you hold your hand up, please, there'll be people in the aisles to wait on you, serve you, and thank you for your wonderful attention. Recommendations. Want to download YouTube videos? There are so many things you might want to save. Many old science fiction movies, videos you want to save and see again, like if you're writing um, a podcast script, and lots more. Here's my choice, 4K Video Downloader. It's free. There's a link on the episode webpage. I suggest downloading a single video at a time. Labor relations have always been difficult to balance. That's why unions came to be. People are leaving their jobs, more people than ever. The far-ranging effects of the pandemic have caused many businesses to close, but more than that, many workers have had enough of bad management, and strikes are sweeping the labor market as workers wield new leverage. Even warehouse jobs, supposedly the jobs of the future, are suddenly jobs nobody wants, not if workers are going to be treated the way they have been. People don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Think of us as a team, like a family. Be a team player, you hear. And then, at the drop of a hat, you hear, you're not worth more money, you can easily be replaced. It's enough to make any self-respecting adult finally hand in their uniform and say, this just isn't worth it. Fuck it, I quit. Workers were once hearing crap like that with sad familiarity, but they've wised up and now they won't stand for that. It even has a name. It's called the Great Resignation. 
According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 4.3 million people, almost 3% of the nation's workforce, quit just in August. Many found that the public health crisis forced them to finally reassess their priorities. American workers have said loud and clear that they'll go back to work when they feel both safe and fairly compensated. Isn't this the basis on which workers once fought and died for the establishment of unions? Nearly half of American workers are actively seeking new opportunities, even as employers nationwide are crying in their beer claiming that they can't find workers. Employers, you'll find them if you pay them and treat them with respect. Some companies have raised wages and otherwise sweetened their deal package. Costco, Amazon, CVS, and Walgreens all have hourly minimums of $15 or higher. And over the summer, Walmart, Target, and Amazon all announced that they would begin offering free college tuition and textbooks to employees. And by the way, McDonald's workers take note.
subscribe to ValleyCast and join the human oddities and a few just plain folks privileged to see behind the curtain of the sideshow, freak show, and variety arts of all kinds. You'll hear stories of famous performers, past and present, interviews with brave and skilled artists, and ideas you can use for your own acts. You'll find links on the webpage at valleycast.com, and all previous episodes are available as well. We want you. Hungry? Then treat yourself to a luscious barbecue sandwich. Doesn't that look good? Wait till you taste it. Rich and savory with that open pit barbecue flavor, along with your choice of hot coffee, a cold soft drink, or some wonderful ice cream that you'll also find in our snack bar to tempt your palate. And remember, they're pit-cooked barbecues, prepared the southern way. From the pages of Brill's Bible of Building Plans, here's a recipe for carnival food. Candied orange and lemon rind. Take the rind of three oranges and one lemon. One cup of sugar, a half a cup of water. Choose clean, skinned fruit and remove peel in quarters. Cover with water to which one teaspoon of salt has been added. Boil for 30 minutes, then drain. Cover with fresh water and boil again until peel is tender, about 30 minutes. Lemon peel may need longer boiling. Drain again, bringing to a boil the water and sugar. Add the peel and boil gently until the syrup is absorbed. Drain, cut peel in strips with scissors, and roll in sugar. Enjoy! A superstar at the beginning of the 20th century, Julian Elting was the namesake of a Broadway theater which still stands. Born William Julian Dalton, he was what was then called a female impersonator. He started at age 10 in the Boston Cadets Review, appearing in feminine attire. He was so praised for his portrayal that the next year the review was written around him, and that led to more roles elsewhere. The family moved to Montana, where in his early teens, Elting dressed as a woman and performed in saloons in front of ranchers and miners. His father beat him when he discovered this, and his mother sent him back to Boston, where he worked as a dry goods salesman while studying dance. His dance teacher noticed his remarkable ability to emulate females, and she encouraged him to study the art of female impersonation. He preferred to be billed simply as Elting, in honor of a boyhood friend, leaving his gender unstated. His act included singing, dancing, and quick costume changes in a variety of female roles, and at the end he would remove his wig, revealing his true gender to the surprise of the often unsuspecting audience. He first appeared on Broadway in 1904, then played in vaudeville, touring internationally, and even giving a command performance before King Edward VII. In 1911, Elting opened his most famous show, The Fascinating Widow, in which he played a man who disguises himself as a woman in a Charlie's Aunt-like plot. 
The show only ran seven weeks in New York, but toured successfully for several years. A year to the day that the fascinating widow opened, a producer opened the Elting Theater on 42nd Street. Elting himself never performed in the building, but it was a legitimate theater for many years and sports a mural of three muses, all apparently Elting in drag. The theater became a burlesque house, which was shut down during a public morality campaign, then was physically moved a block away and still stands as part of the AMC Empire 25 Cineplex. He returned to the vaudeville stage at New York's Palace Theater in 1918, where he earned one of the highest salaries in show business, $3,500 a week. By 1920, he was very wealthy and living in one of the most lavish mansions in Southern California, known by many as the Pink Castle on Silver Lake. He appeared with Rudolph Valentino and Mary Pickford in the 1920 film The Isle of Love. His stage and film career continued until a cameo as himself in the Bing Crosby film If I Had My Way in 1940. Despite the femininity portrayed on stage, Elting affected a very masculine style in public to combat the rumors of his homosexuality, leading the Chicago Tribune drama critic to use the term ambisextrous to describe him. Elting may well have been gay, Milton Burl and many others who worked with him thought so, and, as the popular term of the day had it, he was what was then known as a confirmed bachelor. Comedian W.C. Fields once said, Women went into ecstasy about him, men went into the smoking room. He lent his name to Julian Elting's magazine of beauty hints and tips, which promoted his line of cosmetics, corsets, and shoes and he had his own brand of cigars. There is no record of a lover of either sex, though there were plenty of rumors and gossip. Elting was hit hard by the stock market crash, and by the same time, female impersonators had begun to lose popularity, along with vaudeville itself, and his heavy drinking took a toll on his health. He continued to perform in nightclubs at a much-reduced salary, until he died after a show at Billy Rose's Diamond Horseshoe in New York in 1941. His cause of death is officially cerebral hemorrhage, but Kenneth Anger in the book Hollywood Babylon claims he committed suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills. We present you now by remote control that famous artist, Mr. Julian Elton, female impersonator. Pardon me, Miss Alting. Would you speak a few words over this station? Gladly. Thank you. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Well, here I am back in Hollywood making my first talking picture. I have had several ladies on the set and ladies around the different studios ask me this year as to who is making my costumes. I suppose that today Hollywood leads the world in the making of gown creations. You see, we have so many marvelous movie stars who need so many clothes and costumes that has brought all the finest designers from all parts of the world to Hollywood. All kinds of theater have their lifespan. Greek tragedy and comedy lived and died. 
Vaudeville ruled the world and died with television variety shows, then was revived in the 1970s New Vaudeville. Burlesque had its heyday, then was pronounced dead, but was also revived. What is called immersive theater removes the boundary between stage and audience and immerses spectators in various ways, surprising ways, into the performance. The fourth wall no longer exists, and viewers are called on to do more than quietly sit and observe. The show is often held in a location other than a standard theater. Audiences are encouraged to converse with the actors. Escape rooms seem to be the newest trend in immersive theater. The idea is malleable. It's hardly solid enough to be called a discipline or a genre or a school. There are so many definitions, each based upon the degree and type of engagement found between actors and audience, and the creators need to decide how the audience will interact with the performance and the performers without derailing the experience. You give them not just a story they have watched, but a story that actually happened to them. It might be a choose-your-own-adventure event, where the audience participates in changing the narrative while the performance is taking place. Bespoke theater invented by Fondudes extends participation to pre-production, so each show is customized per audience at script level. This involvement may range from simple, open acknowledgement of the audience's presence to the audience's complete freedom of choice in determining the narrative. Punchdrunk is a British theater company who have staged productions of their award-winning adaptation of Macbeth, Sleep No More, in London, in Boston, and in permanent installations in New York City and in Shanghai. Some immersive productions have incorporated virtual reality, holograms, and more, set to the score of Jeff Wayne's musical War of the Worlds. Dot, dot, dot devised this world around key points in London where the storyline took place, putting the audience through a number of experiences which begin when they arrive at Leadenhall Street in London, where they quickly embark on a 60-minute immersive adventure through 22,000 square feet of specially constructed settings described in the H.G. Wells novel. This is a full immersive experience, start to finish. At intermission, audience members gather in the Red Weed Bar for refreshments as a 20-minute version of the Red Weed from Jeff Wayne's score plays. From start to finish, the show employs a massive variety of devices to transform the theater experience into something larger than life. A performance of a classic scripted play might be broken into random bits as scenes take place in different rooms in a different order than usual. 
Some immersive theater designers incorporate audiences going safely off script into their work. Adventure One, conducted by Coney, a British interactive and game-based theater, hosts audiences who record their adventure at St. Paul's near the center of London. Participants are in an open and unrestricted set while wearing headphones that play a fixed narrative. From there, audiences can travel anywhere to various rooms. Audience members can encounter various experiences beyond the script or role. This contributes to more experiences that set designers may fail to plan in the original experience. When I chose this topic, I was remembering a time in the mid-70s when a local theater company I had previously worked with performed Henry V all over the grounds of a church, once a private mansion, with scenes played out atop the walls of a garden or on a staged-over disused pool, for instance. I've never forgotten it, and I'm sure neither the actors nor audience present those nights have either. There's just part of the picture. What can you do with it? Just imagine... You know, every episode webpage has a place to make comments. You need to shut the fuck up! And I have so enjoyed the many insightful and thoughtful comments... You ought to take a gun and you ought to blow your brains out, you imbecile! ...from you, the members of the Ballycast audience. Shut your fucking mouth! I read every one, and I hope you'll continue to express yourself fully and often. Thank you. Fuck you! Ballycast is produced by Wayne Kaiser for Blue Ridge Entertainment under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means you can keep it, copy it, share it with a friend, just tell them where it came from, don't change it, and don't sell it. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe at ballygas.com. Visit us, link to us, subscribe to the podcast, and most importantly, enjoy. Thanks for writing. Please exit to your left. How very, very cool.